Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Friday's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. This week, we've got a Shondaland special. We're talking to the cast and creators of two of her new series, For the People and Station 19, the Grey's Anatomy spinoff. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to welcome Jasmine Savoy-Brown and Britt Robertson. Hi. Hi, Hello. thanks for having us. How are you guys doing? We are killing it. We're killing good. the game here at the TCAs <laughs> for ABC. Very well done. So congratulations and for the people. It looks Thank fantastic. You. How did you guys get cast? I read the script. I was talking to my agent. They had me come in to read for Tom and Paul and Shonda and Betsy, the whole team and casting. And I went in, felt like I bombed it, totally was not a fan of that audition, possibly the worst audition I've ever had. The worst. I mean, maybe, yeah, it was not good, this audition. What happened? Why did it go so I was getting really sweaty. I was super nervous. I felt out of my element. I didn't think that. I don't know. I just didn't feel totally confident and comfortable with the material. I hadn't had the the material for very long, which always makes me really kind of jittery. So um, then as soon as I started thinking about it bombing, then it just got worse, worse and, and worse, worse and worse. Snowball effect. But funny enough, Tom, the director, was so kind and so generous and was like, we'll do it as many times as you need, you know, start over. He was very sweet um, and kind about the whole process. And then cut to, like... Maybe not even a day later, they called me and they were like, the part is yours. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And Jasmine, what about you? Yeah, I too, I was sent the script and I read it and just fell in love with it. And then I had two or three auditions over the course of a week and then booked it on a Wednesday and started shooting. Or no, on the very next day, went to set for like meetings and rehearsals and started shooting within two weeks. It happened very fast. Yeah. But I'm glad. That's better than when it's all stretched out and you're thinking about it and sad. So describe each of your characters and you know and how they relate to this world that Shonda's created or Shonda and her team have created. Mm-hmm. So I play Sandra Bell. She's a federal public defender, and she is she comes from sort of humble beginnings. She worked really hard as a young woman to uh, get to where she is, and I think you know it was hard for her. She didn't have a lot of money growing up, so she really had to work hard in school and cared a lot about people and felt really passionately about fighting for people and um, and their right to be alive and to have um, a lot of you know um, to have a fair trial if something if they were convicted of something or if they were being accused of something. She had always been impassioned by certain experiences in her life, which you'll find out through the series later on. And so she she now falls into this world of the federal uh, um, judiciary system, and uh, she is best friends with Allison Adams, and they live in an apartment together, and they're sort of like you know each other's family and support system. So together they're taking on the world of the mother court and. Kicking booty. Kicking booty. That's that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I play Allison Adams, as she said, Sandra's best friend and roommate. And Allison and Sandra come from complete opposite beginnings. They met in college, in law school, in front row, torts. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you guys are acting like you actually did meet in the front I row know. of law school. I know. Yay. We just like to say that. <laughs> Throwback. Yeah. Yeah, Allison grew up privileged and comfortable and supported by her family, but was the odd one out in the sense of the path that she chose to take. Her family is all great minds and intelligent thinkers, but don't think that, you know, becoming a federal public defender is so smart because you're not going to make so much money. 
But she does anyway, and she has a passion for what she does, but it doesn't always come across uh, as as sweetly, I'd say, as um, Sandra's does, even just in her interactions with her friend who she loves so much. Sometimes mm. she's a little bit too strong. You know, she's, That's not the right word. But. Well, no, but you, I, I think you know you care a, lo- a lot about Sandra and sort of my path and my journey, yeah. so you're really protective over me, and sometimes exactly. that can come across as like... Uh, was the abrasive. Word? That abrasive, was the word. that's yeah. the word, abrasive. Mm-hmm. But I think an abrasive woman is a strong woman. Hey, she knows what and she I wants. Like Absolutely. a strong woman. It's wonderful to see that on TV. Yeah. I was going to ask you guys if you immediately clicked, but it sort of feels like you did. We did. We just look into each other's (laughs) eyes and finish each other's sentences. You know. Uh, No, I'm so... Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mike. Um, I'm so grateful for Jasmine because she has been... uh, She really has been my real support as Brit throughout this entire process because it's, you know, when you first start on a show, you're sort of just getting your footing and you don't really know. um, For me, at least, you are sort of still establishing your role on the set and and your relationships with people. And through this entire thing, she's been... um, so fun to be around and I'm so comfortable around her even just from her first audition so even today during the panel I was like thank god I'm next to you you give me so much confidence just like being there your energy is so soothing um, so it's nice that we can actually bring that onto uh, into the yeah. story as well and all that goes both ways obviously yeah she likes me too I do I do I think especially because we stepped in so late but at right. the same time that we were able to connect on a level of like feeling maybe a little bit like I don't belong here. Totally. And we were the outsiders. We were, but everyone welcomed us in so quickly. Completely. I never felt, I never actually felt sure. like an outsider. That was a story I made in my head. You know? You just expected to. <laughs> of course. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> but. Totally understandable. So we've seen a lot of legal shows on TV before. What do you think sets this one apart? What makes it different? Well, we're seeing both sides on the show, the prosecution and the defense, all the time, every episode, which makes it a complicated um, emotionally to watch because in one moment you're invested in this storyline and you're saying, that guy's wrong, he's wrong, and then you see another side of it and you're thinking, no, he's right, and that's happening all the time. You're completely conflicted as an audience member, which is fun, you know, because you go from, you know, the beginning of the episode when you think you know how you feel about a certain case, and then once the evidence is revealed, all of a sudden you're on the prosecution side and you're, mm-hmm. you know, and you flip-flopped, but that's the beauty of this show. I think it's really opening people's minds, and um, and I think that's a really good thing for this current political climate, to yeah. be more accepting of, you know... Both sides. <laughs> what, hey! a <laughs> what a concept. We should spread that wisdom. I don't know. It's hard. It's tricky. Believe me. But you I know? think that's what's good. It'll start some great conversations about that, about mm-hmm. about what that means and friends or family that are watching it together and are on opposite sides. Mm-hmm. It's a way to bring people together, even yeah. if you have Through conflicting ideas. Yeah. It sounds like the cases are going to be tackling some tough issues. What are some of the cases you're going to be we're going to be seeing on the show? Well, Sandra in the pilot episode deals with a very <laughs> tricky case. She takes on terrorism and uh, entrapment. <laughs> Start off strong. Yeah, totally. And she sort of just gets thrust into this case. She decides to go on duty, which is, um, you know, not conventional for a, a first-time lawyer in trial, especially in a in a very prestigious trial court. But she does it because she wants to set the bar high. That's just the kind of person she is. And she gets... Stuck, if you will, with this very <laughs> difficult case. Um, but it's a very compelling one at that. Her client has been put in this very difficult situation, and she does the best to defend them to her um, best ability. And um, But, you know, they're not always so high profile. Yeah, there are some more funny, entertaining ones, such as... I take on a, well, I take on a client who is a wannabe vigilante in New York who dresses in superhero costumes. You can imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine. Hilarity ensues. Of very, course. very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Other other things, um, uh, mandatory minimums mm-hmm. is something that's tackled in one episode that was difficult, but fun to explore sentencing software. Yeah. I didn't even know that existed. There's so many things we don't even research, know that exist. It, it's it's Amazing. How much research experience. did you do yourselves? Never enough. It's never, never ending. Ever, ever enough. It's so true. I mean, you, you know, especially since we had such a small window before we started shooting um, kind of the reshoot of the pilot, I 
work with this woman who is incredible and Christine Willis love you uh, <laughs> she's a researcher and she would just send me articles upon articles and podcasts and as a cast we would share certain things that we would find just to um, create you know a dialogue between one another um, and so that we all have hello um, so that we all have you know as much information as possible about certain cases because it's obviously ongoing throughout the season so I'm you know googling up a storm as we speak just trying to get prepared for Wednesday yeah so as I mentioned the show comes from Shonda Rhimes as an executive producer what does it mean to you to be part of a Shonda show how does this fit in the Shondaland universe a big part of what it means for me is um, inclusivity and representation in Shonda's world, not just on screen, but off screen are lots of women and people of color and people of all sorts of sexual orientation and nationality. And I love that. (laughs) And it's celebrated and embraced. And a way that I celebrate that and love that they, that how they're celebrating on the show is through my hairstyle on the show. Mm. It's big and natural and curly and huge. And that's important to me because I didn't really see that growing Mm -hmm. up. People that looked like me never had their hair natural and beautiful. And um, I feel like, for me, that encompasses Shonda Land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she rocks it. Boy, does she <laughs> rock that hair. It's good. I mean, I'm I'm such a fan of Shonda and what she's done, not just for network television, but for women and uh, equality and inequality, rather. Uh, but I think she's really pushed past certain movements and she's um she's embraced having the ability to make a lot of changes and making an impact um and she's so cute because she doesn't take credit for any of it (laughs) but uh but i think she does have a really big say in in um what's been happening at least in her shows on abc and and really fighting for what she believes is right which is just diverse casting, diverse characters all across the board. And I'm happy to be one, you know, one of the many who have been a part of the shows that she's been creating. Perfect. Well, unfortunately, we've got to end it there. Thank you guys so much for your time and best of luck with the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you. That's what Britt and Jasmine had to say about their new roles in the new Shondaland drama for the people. Up next, we'll talk to the producers, Tom Verica and Paul William Davies. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to welcome Tom Verica and Paul William Dees. Thank you very much. How are you guys doing? Good. Oh, well. So congratulations on For the People. Thank you. How did you come up with the idea? You know, it was uh, it was kind of a combination of things. It, the first thing was this uh, this court, the, which we call the Mother Court, which is the Southern District of New York, always fascinated me because it's kind of the preeminent trial court in the United States, and it's where so many high-profile cases have been tried um, recently, but all the way, you know, 200 years ago. Um, it's it's the oldest federal trial court in the United States, and so uh, it just seemed like a really fascinating place to put a show. Um, kind of along parallel track was I really wanted to do something that uh, a legal show that uh, approached the law from the perspective of both the prosecutors and the defense. Um, I think most shows uh, tend to just have the perspective of one of the sides. And my experience is um, from friends of mine and also when I practice that um, the law is a lot more complicated. And um, when you get to kind of get perspectives of the parties on each side, it becomes a lot more interesting. And so I kind of took those two ideas together and I talked with Betsy and Shonda and um, and this is what we came up with. And um, to me, it's an opportunity to to tell interesting stories in a in a really different way in a place that is kind of a unique institution in American law. What kind of issues will the show be taking on? You know, in terms of the substantive legal issues, we because we're set in federal court, um, we kind of have a different um, platter of cases that we can we can uh, take from. Um, uh, so there are cases involving espionage or um, uh, bank robbery or terrorism. Um, uh, there are all kinds of different things that get tried in federal court than in our normal state court system. So we're going to be talking about a lot of those legal issues that I think are kind of generally underrepresented. But the the show is really as much as anything about n- new lawyers entering their practice and kind of um, – and in this case, it's this very high-profile court. So it's a very 
um, you know, there's a lot of pressure uh, for these attorneys to perform. And so a lot of the stories are about how these young lawyers approach these very difficult and challenging and, again, high-profile cases. So um, we're tackling, I think, really interesting areas of law, but it's always from a personal perspective of the attorneys and what they're going through and, you know, how they succeed, how they sometimes fail, the relationships between them uh, with their supervisors, uh, how they negotiate the politics of the offices that they're in. Um, so it's all of that, um, you know, kind of blended together. Tom, I know you're a veteran of Shondaland shows. What made you want to get involved with this one? Um, well, I think, honestly, when I first uh, read Paul's script, and I just, uh, there was something specific about the wit of um, his writing, which I had seen before working on a few of the episodes. Uh, I got to direct a couple of the episodes that he'd worked on before, and I knew <clears throat> some of the scenes that he had written, and, and I always liked his uh, his style of writing. Uh, but particularly this, um, I think, you know, I, I've worked on a few legal shows over the years, uh, but this had such a fresh, unique voice and had something that I think uh, people have sort of gotten away from, which is really relying on the sharpness and the wit uh, of the interaction of characters instead of gimmicks like uh, either visual gimmicks or story gimmicks that uh, seem to become more fantastical. And, and a lot of shows, which are done very well, seem to sort of thrive on upping itself, upping itself one week to the next. Uh, there was a simplicity and a classicness to this particular show that I just uh, found refreshing and something that I kind of craved. Uh, and I just immediately latched on to the style of writing uh, and was very excited to be part of the casting and assembling this team. Uh, and working with that, it was, I was just immediately drawn right into this uh, to this show. How does this fit in the Shondaland universe? What defines the Shondaland show for you guys? I think relationships, I think characters, character development, the strength of the characters and how interesting they are. Um, uh, you know, there's any number of reasons why shows uh, succeed, whether they're, they plan on doing, you know, the, the rip from the headlines case of the week. I think one thing that's consistent with Shondaland is the... Uh, not only the, the richness and uh, depth of, of the characters, but the world, uh, the diverse world uh, that these characters exist in. And it doesn't lead with that. It doesn't put uh, a hook on that and, and say, hey, look, we're having an interracial relationship here. It is uh, a world that's very reflective of the world around us now, and it's not caught up in old conventions. Paul, oh, what about for you? Yeah, I mean, I'd echo all of that. And I think, you know, the thing... The thing about the Shondaland world is that it's um, there are certain themes and and stuff that just Tom talked about about um, you know values in Shondaland, but it's also it's 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 a it's a big tent and there um, the thing that I've been really appreciative with Shonda and Betsy is that they've allowed me to tell the stories that I want to tell in the way that I want to tell them, and they're very supportive of that. And so, you know, I come out of her camp, I, I reflect her values, I hopefully inhabit the values of Shondaland. Um, there's a particular approach, I think, to storytelling and character um, that is very distinctive in Shondaland. But at the same time, um, it's not all you know, it's not all the same. It's, there's different, you know, what Pete does on how to get away with murder and what Alan did on the catch. And, you know, it, it's not cookie cutter. It's not cookie cutter. It's not a template. It's, it's to me, fundamentally, it comes down to character and it comes down to telling stories in the most interesting way possible. And I think that's something that Shonda, um, you know, always talked to us about when I was writing for Scandal. It's like, what's the most interesting way to tell this story? And, you know, she'd often very, you know, up to the last minute, you know, challenge us um, to try to think of a different way to tell a story. And, and, and that goes all the way down to casting and, you know, what's the most interesting way to cast a, a show, whether mm -hmm. that's the smallest guest star or a lead actor. It's always just try to be as creative and inventive and, um, and kind of unorthodox in your thinking as possible. And to me, if there is one kind of overarching value, it's that. And, and um, so to me, this show fits into that perfectly because I think we are telling stories in a different and an interesting way. Um, and and it's, it's, it's part of the Shondaland world that way. 
It's the roller coaster of Shondaland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you're right. I mean, I think one of the hallmarks of a Shonda show is certainly the inclusivity of its casting. It's not something we see on a lot of other shows. Yeah. So how did that influence, you know, the kind of stories you wanted to tell and, you know, how you, how you approach the casting of the show? Well, I think, I think that's exactly, I, th- I think, uh, thinking outside the box, I mean, certainly you think about how characters match up against one another and what that chemistry, I mean, chemistry is key. Um, and, but, um, as you know, in contrary to what a lot of people think, that there's a you know must be some sort of formula. There has to be one black character, one white character, one gay character. It's not that. It really isn't. It's uh, we really take the best actors who who comes in, who impresses us, and we kind of work off of that character uh, to how we build that ensemble around it. But um, very much challenging ourselves to think, hey, what if? Uh, this character was this way, or or somebody comes in and blows us away, who maybe was a different sort of idea uh, or concept that we had, and we run with that. Uh, is that yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I think it's a constant challenge, and I think that's what I love so much about being in the Shondaland world is that it just pushes you to just kind of reevaluate your thinking all the time about mm-hmm. who is a cop, who is a lawyer, who, what is a strong character, what does it mean to be a strong character, what does it mean to be a strong female character, what does it mean to be a strong... Like, all of that stuff, you constantly have to reprocess challenges. I think she does that all the time, and she encourages us to do that all the time. Yeah. And so every time you're approaching a storyline or a casting decision or directors that we're hiring... Mm-hmm. Or, you know, behind the scenes on the production side, it's always challenging, pushing, trying to get you to reevaluate your thinking about what is, you know, what have you assumed something should be or the way something should be told. And I think that that that's well, when you see a cop or a doctor, people yeah. do have conventions and they assume, oh, this is, must be a guy who says and we really do. It, it's the first thing I sort of empower our directors, incoming guest directors, because I've been conditioned through a, a few shows uh, with, with Shondaland. But. Um, is to really think, well, what if, you know, we have casting concept uh, meetings and, and we talk about what if this person was this? Because just because it was written that way, this might, you know, that you may not make that assumption. Uh, and I think that is really freeing and gives us that kind of security to not sort of play into the stereotypes that we all do in the easy road uh, of saying, oh, you know, I've seen this ca- this guy play this character so many times, but what if this was... Um, you know, someone who's physically challenged in some way. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, it really is, the sky's the limit for what we want to do and nothing should be off the table. Yeah. I know the show went through some recasting. I mean, every pilot has its bumps. What did you learn from that experience and how did that impact where you ultimately did ended up? Did we recast this? <laughs> <laughs> I think I read something about it somewhere. Um, I mean, in terms of, you know, what we learned, uh, I don't know. It's just a, it's a process of getting the right mix and, and, and I think we're in a great place. And, you know, those actresses were, were wonderful. And, and, and Britt and Jasmine, who are in these roles now, are, are fantastic. And I think we've got, we've just got an incredible cast. I mean, it really is, like, to me, a, as a writer, and I'm sure Tom feels the same way as a director, it's just, it's an embarrassment of riches. Because it's yeah. like, everywhere I turn, when I'm writing one of these episodes, it's like, in some days, it's almost painful because I'm like, God, I want to service Anna yeah. DeVere Smith more or Ben Shankman or Hope Davis or, oh, my God, I've got Brit and, you know, Ben Rappaport's hilarious and he's so good. And so it's just it's it's so many talented folks and they've got really good chemistry off screen, as um, I think, you know, uh, we saw in this panel today and it's just we see every day and on screen, which um, it's just it's it's amazing. So, um you know, it's about it's really about that chemistry, and and I feel incredibly fortunate to have that as a writer because there's nobody and no relationship that I'm steering away from. It's I'm just I wish I could do you know I wish I could every connection that I draw between the characters to me is a fulfilling one, yeah. and it's just fun to watch it come to life. And mm-hmm. ones that we didn't necessarily predict early on, we start to see like, oh my God, that's a great matchup. Um, we put them in a scene together. And yeah, I mean, it's like everything, everybody. everything evolves. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if you look over the history of a lot of shows and shows that have been fortunate enough to go on for a season, two and three seasons, you know, you find things, you know, uh, chemistries happen, sparks happen, where you say, wow, I never, there was this, these two characters had this two-line exchange that was just really kind of a drive-by, and you're like, that is that is actually, there's something really interesting happening yeah. there. So it gives Paul the ability to sort of watch these cuts as we watch these cuts and say, you know what, 
this person, this aspect of it that we weren't really leaning into has really popped. So it's it's an evolutionary process, and you know, recastings happen frequently in pilots. And uh, this this team that we have now, it feels really solid. Yeah. Tom, what was the directing style you brought to this? I mean, it doesn't look and feel like, as you mentioned, we've seen a lot of other legal shows, but this one doesn't look and feel like a legal show when we watch it. What was the directing style you wanted to bring to it? Uh, I was very clear about not upstaging visually uh, what the power of this script was and what the power of the story was. And then once we started getting the cast together, uh, I looked to a lot of uh, classic uh, courtroom dramas, legal dramas, uh, not to copy, but just to kind of be inspired by uh, really solid material and how visually they were told. Uh, Paul and I had uh, a lot of discussions about tonally what this show should look like, what it should feel like. And a lot of it was very deliberate about leaning into kind of the world that these first-year attorneys are up against and the enormity of what that is. So visually, there was um, a, a very specific choice about having, you know, we have hard ceilings, which is not common in a lot of our sets, so we can show the scope of what these new attorneys are up against and, you know, putting them in a really wide frame and being able to show that world gives the viewer a little bit of insight as to what that feeling is to be trying a federal case and the massiveness of what that's like. Um, So specifically, it was about uh, moving the camera and being as dynamic as we can with echoing the emotions of what the script called for. So there, there was a lot of reference uh, we had a lot of reference photos, uh, sort of anthem-like frames and, and getting really tight inside their heads. So it's playing a lot of contrast is really what we were after. And, Paul, with the scripts, how much are you going to balance the characters personalized with what they're trying to accomplish professionally? Or is one going to influence the other? It's, you know, hopefully it's, it's they, they just constantly intersect in ways that are um, – that you don't even notice, like, oh, I'm shifting from a personal story to a leave. Like, they should all be connected in a certain way. And, um, you know, there's certain parts of the stories where, you know, we might be in a closing argument or or some negotiation, and it feels a little bit more legal than personal. But honestly, all of the stories are both. Um, and so I always want the legal stories, and not in a ham-handed way, but they should reflect you know, what the character is going through in some sense um, and and the challenges that he or she might face. Um, and and I want the legal stories, you know, to resonate with the characters. So I, I, I feel like it's always going to, they're always going to be intertwined. Um, and the exciting thing is we kind of roll out and go through these episodes is that um, we're going and kind of learning about each of these characters um, in a in a kind of deliberate way, so that every episode in this first season, we're we're focusing on one of the um, in you know one of the six young lawyers, and then also the senior lawyers and the judge and Anna who plays uh, the clerk of court, um, so that we're learning about all of them and kind of really working out the ensemble. So you really get a, I think by the end of the first season. Um, a real sense of the world and who's inhabiting it and learning something about each of these characters. And that just, you know, then we just keep going from there. And so it just, it feels like um, we're getting these personal bits out in the stories each week and then we're focusing a little bit more on each of the characters week to week um, so that you have a really well-rounded sense of who these people are. Yeah, it, it's it's a challenge for 10 characters to introduce 10 characters. And I think what Paul does so well is really what you know each of their worlds are and by tackling each of these stories with each each episode it's almost like a rashomon style where it's one we're kind of in one building or or three buildings that we're at but we're constantly revisiting these things but we're looking at a different perspective at any given week and the clerk who just seems like uh, in one sense just sort of divvies out the you know the cases and the signs and calls that we suddenly take her journey through it and you get to see things from coming into the courtroom from a different position, a different angle on what they're going through emotionally. And I think that's that's the exciting part is really kind of filling out the totality of this world and really giving the viewer a, a kind of a, a 3D uh, insight as to not only sort of the grounds in which they're playing on, but really where these characters are coming for emotionally and what their their needs and what their interests are. Yeah. How much does this show exist in the real world? I mean, is the show living in the Trump administration with those rules and regulations? 
No, no, not directly. But I do think there are certain storylines and certain legal issues that reflect the time that we're in. Um, and we're conscious of that. Um, so, for example, we have an episode about um, kind of mandatory minimum sentencing, which has been an issue in legal circles and, and, and in broader uh, political discussions for uh, the last decade at least. Um, but there's been a lot of um, more heightened um, discussion of this recently because of the new attorney general and um, uh, some of the steps that he's taken to undo what the uh, Obama administration had done in terms of mandatory minimums. Uh, we're not specifically dealing with those, you know, real people and the real um, uh uh, things that were said in terms of, of the sentencing guidelines, but we we do refer to it and um, in in kind of an elliptical way. So it feels like it's relevant, um, it's real, but we're not specifically talking about Trump or Jeff Sessions or you know Eric Holder or anything like that. But it it will it will feel very current and. And, well, because it's very personal. And, it's really how it emotionally affects our characters yeah. and what their decisions. Yeah, that's are. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we want it to feel, yeah, we want it to feel, again, always personal, always through the characters, but we do want it to feel timely. And, yeah. you know, I'm, every episode with the writers, I, you know, the first question and the last question I ask is like, what are we learning in this episode? And by that, I mean both, what are we learning in terms of the law? Um, and I don't mean just like some dry legal education. I just mean like, you know, in the West Wing, you kind of went behind the scenes. You learned something about the process of politics. And I want this to be about the process of law. And so that you may learn some interesting substantive legal issue you didn't know about. You may learn, I remember Reggae on the panel just a while ago said something about how much of the show is not in court, but about like kind of behind the scenes negotiation. And that's a lot of what lawyers do. And it's fascinating, like how lawyers posture against one another, how they negotiate compromises is is really interesting and can be very dramatic. And we and a lot of people don't know that. And so we try to show that. And then we also learn something about our characters and like what, you know, each one of them should be, we should be finding out something about them. So it's always to me educational. And I say that in the richest dramatic sense, not in a, not, I mean, I, I was in school a long time and I'm not interested in <laughs> making anybody else suffer for that. Um, <laughs> uh, to me, it's it's about good drama. And I think when you have good drama, you learn things about people and about the worlds that they live in. And that's what I'm trying to do. What advice or direction did you get from Shonda herself? Is there one thing you've learned from working with her? I mean, for me, you know, she didn't ever sit down and say, you know, here's here, you know, here's what I want to teach you, son. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, because it's kind of been an ongoing process of of watching her work and um, and how she works and how she makes creative decisions. Um, and, you know, I think going back to what we were talking about before about just, you know, challenging, challenging yourself as an artist and and always being willing to like rethink what you're doing and you know she is to me really incredible about just saying like this isn't this isn't right this doesn't work this doesn't feel right this mm -hmm. isn't what i want it to be and she says we're going to do it again and um, you know, sometimes that's hard, you know, sometimes when you're trying to produce a television show, it can be difficult because mm -hmm. of scheduling and stuff like that. But it's, it's great to watch somebody who really believes like, hey, I want to try to make the best thing and I want to be able to feel creatively satisfied by it. And, and that has really, you know, impacted me and to feel like, hey, I'm not going to settle. I'm not just going to be like, oh, that scene's okay, that whatever, that gets us from point A to point B. No, every scene to me should be as good and as interesting as you could possibly make it, every yeah. little scene. And I think that that is something that she believes, and I think that's something I've really, I've learned from her. Yeah, I, I would say commitment to truth and authenticity. Uh, she just has that uh, meter of what's what's real, what's new, what's fresh, and the ability at any stage to be able to uh, make an audible, to, to be able to say, no, this is, uh, this is playing into conventions. This feels like it's been done before. What if we did this and what if we did that? And uh, the support to, kind of, to, to creatively hear your, uh, your input and, uh, and make it your own and, challenge, like, like Paul said, challenge you uh, in a way that you know, we, we've, for those of us who've been working in television for a while, you 
sort of get into, it's easy to get into uh, a routine or a predictableness and to really kind of uh, go off, uh, go off the track a little bit and uh, ask yourself, what if? Yeah. Well, perfect. We've got to end it there. But thank you guys so much, and best of luck with the show. Oh, thank pleasure. you very so much. much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. So that's what's in store for For the People. In our final segment, we chat with the stars and creator of Station 19, the new Grey's Anatomy spinoff, Jaina Lee Ortiz, Jason George, and Stacey McKee. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to welcome Jaina Lee Ortiz, Stacey McKee, and Jason George. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Thank you. Good. Great. Thank you for having us. Of course. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So we're here to talk about the Untitled Grey spinoff. Are you getting tired of saying that yet? <laughs> <laughs> Not yes. even a little. Sure. <laughs> it to you, Dash. Hey, anything that gets the Grey's Anatomy fans aware. Is a good thing. Is a good thing. Yep. Can't beat it. How did you come up with the idea? There were a lot of ways that I came up with the idea. Uh, but basically, I knew that if we were going to do a spinoff, we wanted to do something that would be... Grey's Anatomy adjacent, something that could function within the same world that is already established, but would also be its own excellent, awesome entity and the force to be reckoned with. So uh, that was all very important to me. And then, you know, you watch an episode of Grey's Anatomy and every episode you have a you know, paramedics drive into the breezeway and they drop off a patient and they zoom away. And this way we just get to get back in the rig with them and zoom off to where they're going. I love the idea that there could be this fire station that's existed in the universe the whole time just a few blocks away and we just weren't tuning into it and we just didn't shine a spotlight on it yet (laughs) how did you settle on jason as the lead actor for it well i mean who doesn't want to work with jason george (laughs) fair enough i don't don't particularly want to work with jason george i'm not very fond of him actually Uh, i've worked with jason for years but it was all born of character and ben warren was particularly a character that seemed right for this transition He is a character who has changed his career in the past a couple of times. We've seen that drive in his character to want to try new things. And if he's not satisfied with what he's doing and he sees something else, he goes for it. He's not afraid. He's fearless, sometimes to his detriment. And all of those are traits that are so interesting to me, and they seemed perfect for transitioning him over into the show. And Jason, how did it feel to you to be the center of your own spinoff? Well, I'm, I'm, I definitely wouldn't call me the center of the spinoff. I mean, it's, it's Shondaland after all. There's, there's a powerful woman uh, yeah. who's, uh, but of course. Who's, teaching, who's teaching me how to be a <laughs> I simply meant to be the character yeah. that got spun off. No, I mean, but uh, no, but uh, it, it was, I mean, I was incredibly honored and I was very happy to find out that Ben was looking for a new challenge because uh, that'd been a new challenge for me. Uh, you know, and, and it was funny because I didn't realize how much I'd, I'd uh, get, how emotional I might get about leaving Grays. Uh, the upside, though, was that, you know, I'll, I will probably show back up. Uh, I'll be back. I'll be back over there, hanging out a little bit sometime soon. So it sounds like there's going to be crossover potential back and forth. Absolutely, you can't create a extension of that world and not want to have crossover potential. Plus, you know, Ben's married to Bailey. <laughs> hospitals down Is the that, street. You never know where it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, when we Things pull him out of a, we pull him out of a fire. Pull him out of a you know crash car. We got to take him someplace. It's probably going to be Grace Sloan. It's a really organic world for cross-pollination, which mm-hmm. is exciting. And certainly exciting for the fans. Jaina, how did it feel to you to join this world? It was like winning the actor lottery. <laughs> I was ecstatic. I am still I, I, pinch me. I mean, I, I can't stop saying that. And it's it's been a, a roller coaster. It's mm-hmm. been a ride. It's it's been. Nothing but positivity. I mean, we're under the Shondaland umbrella, and you are guaranteed to be in a space that she's created where it is honest and positive and respectful. There's nothing but professionals on set, and we truly are a family and Mm -hmm. genuinely love working together. It's been great. What does it mean to you guys to be under the Shondaland umbrella? What defines a Shondaland show? Wow. Um, Well, first, I mean... If I can say for me, just as a huge fan, because I remember like I remember the day my wife showed me uh, the DVDs of uh, this is back when you would watch the DVDs instead of streaming <laughs> of, uh, of Grey's Anatomy, and she was uh, she was like, "You need to watch this with me," uh, and we checked mm-hmm. it out, and I became a massive fan and have, have watched ever since, and then actually had the honor of being on the show. Shonda, first and foremost, is good writing. Uh, she only hires writers who are going to come with the thunder, and then on top of that is this. Uh, 
is, is that, you know, I mean, you've got these powerful women. And what's cool is, you know, and I also have had the opportunity to play this, like, you know, it's kind of like this perfect world. I mean, men aren't threatened by powerful women. Powerful women go after what's theirs. Everybody gets their shot. Everybody's beautiful and sexy. Um, it's, like, it's like, you know, you wait for a unicorn to walk by. But, uh, but, it's, it, but that's one of the things that for me in the shows, but there's this humanity in all of it, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I've worked on Grey's Anatomy since the pilot. So to me, the Shondaland umbrella is just my umbrella. It's just where I've worked forever. It's a happy place with rainbows and unicorns. It's a happy place with rainbows and unicorns. And also just a tremendous amount of heart and warmth and humor and incredible respect for everyone from all walks, all levels, all pieces of the puzzle. And, And that's something we lead with. I mean, I told these guys when they were hired, I've told everyone we've hired, we have a very strict no assholes policy. <laughs> we, we live that and we, I believe in it so strongly. I am so humbled to be a part of this journey and to be in this mix with these groups, this group of people. It's really exciting. And as a storyteller, it's just, oh, it's so inspiring. So, I mean, it's nothing but love and good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, my mom is my my biggest fan, and she's now binge-watching Grey's Anatomy all 14 seasons in under three months. Wow. She actually landed on, on an episode that I want to point out really quick. Season 12, episode 9, Stacey McKee wrote, Denzel Washington directed, and the voiceover that Meredith um, says in the beginning and end really relates to the pilot and to our political climate. She says, don't let fear keep you quiet. You have a voice, so use it. Speak up, raise your hands, shout your answers, make yourself heard. Whatever it takes, just find your voice. And when you do, fill the damn silence. I mean, if that is not powerful, <laughs> she, Stacey McKee wrote that. It is so irrelevant and it is so current, and I that gave me goosebumps. She had it on pause in the middle, and she was like, "I have to finish this episode. I have to finish this episode before I go out to dinner." And I was like, "Okay," and and then I had to rewatch it because I was like. This is amazing. Yeah. Who wrote it? Oh, of course. <laughs> but, but you get to say words mm-hmm. like that. That's what's up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, and, the, and the fun part is it's like, we, we had this question earlier, and I, I just have to bring it up, that they're like, that's inspiring. Mm-hmm. What your character is in this pilot is inspiring. And it's not just inspiring to young women, although that will be part of it, but it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. You know, look, I took my kids to see a bunch of eight-year-olds to see Wonder Woman, and to see mm-hmm. boys get up acting like Wonder Woman is super dope. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is going to be one, kids are going to watch it, people are going to watch the show and they're going to be young people. Many of them will be women. Some will be young boys who are thinking, I want to be a firefighter because, you know, Jana Lee Ortiz plays Andy Herrera and she's a badass. Yeah. I mean, even, even Shonda Rhimes, like my husband is this up and coming writer and I've been telling him for years, you're going to be the next Shonda Rhimes. I mean, you have to, you can't just what, because she's a woman, you can't Mm -hmm. aspire to be her. Exactly. So yes, great point, Jason. I, I hope many boys and girls are inspired by this show. As well they should be. I mean, I think one of the hallmarks of Shonda shows is inclusive casting, and we're seeing that looking around this table. But what does it mean to you to be a Latina lead for a broadcast hour-long drama? It is inspiring, empowering. I mean, I can't even count with one hand how many Latinas are on, on TV right now. So, and, and not only that, like, I, yes, I'm a, a woman, a Latina, but the character that I am portraying, is just a fearless warrior. She is all about being successful, all about achieving. And she's not perfect. She's flawed. She's, I mean, Stacy just wrote the most amazing character that I feel like every actress that I know is just dying to play. I get to be tough, badass, yet vulnerable and have those tender moments where I can show my strengths in other ways than, you know, breaking down a door and saving a, a Jason, if you will, or you know, <laughs> a man his size. Sometimes I need to get saved. You know what I mean? Someone yeah. a pilot, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. Um, how much does this show exist in the real world and with the headlines we're dealing with right now? Is that something we're going to see reflected in the show? Uh, which headlines? Just meaning, you know, <laughs> politics or issues that we're dealing with, or, you know, certainly given the setting of the show. 
I always approach storytelling from character first. So to me, it's always grounded in who these characters are, the choices they make, and where that could take them. So if there is a story that happens to tap into what we're dealing with politically right now, then of course we'll tell the story. We're not going to shy away from that. But it has to be grounded and appropriate for those characters and what they're going through. To me, that's always the most important thing. It's about the heart. It's about the intent. It's about the the emotional place that the characters come from first. There's there's not an agenda to approach those subjects, but we won't shy away from them if they make sense. So what are some of the, you know, dramas that all the characters are going to face? What are the issues they're grappling with? <laughs> are you asking for spoilers? <laughs> spoilers. Not so gently, but yeah, sure. <laughs> it's just between us. It's not like I'm recording this or anything. Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. The, the one thing I'll say is I think the thing that uh, excited me about this opportunity was going into a, you know, a new challenge, building this new family, and these people are powerful personalities all trapped together for 24 hours at a shot basically every other day. So they eat together, they cook for each other, they sleep together, meaning under the same roof, <laughs> which means that sometimes they may sleep together. Yes. You know, and that's, that's how it is a Shonda show, right? So that's how it goes down. And with, with all of that, um, you know, one day you may be loving this person, the next day you, may, you can't stand them. But when you run in the fire, I got to have your back and you got to have mine. I, it, the trust can never waver, no matter how mad I am at you or how in love I am with you. Um, when... Because people, they depend on each other's lives. So that, to me, I think is one of the things that will routinely come up is how much uh, whatever interpersonal drama is happening amongst us, we're running into danger and we got to have each other's back. So people will be, regulars on this show, people that you're going to fall in love with will be in danger and other people going to have to other people that you fall in love with are going to have to save their hash. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, these are heroes. I mean, and it's like, what happens when they come home? How do they focus on love? How do they deal with, uh, you know, issues at home? How are they able to do laundry after witnessing someone have a seizure? It's how do they yeah. how live? Do you, how do they? How do you put it on a shelf and then go about your regular life? I mean, that's part of what's so universal, and I think makes the characters so easy to identify with. We all have to take our day at work and put it on a shelf and then go home and do laundry and fix a meal and figure out what's date. going on with our boyfriend, even though yeah. we kind of had a fight this morning and then we had to go run into a fire <laughs> building. You know, it happens to all of us, right? <laughs> How much research did you do? How much did you have to familiarize yourselves with, these, with this world? I mean, I've done a tremendous amount of research just from a storytelling perspective, and uh, both Seattle-specific research, the fire departments there regionally, as well as talking to firefighters locally, both women and men. It's been really eye-opening and so inspiring and really incredible. And, I mean, we've got some hands-on research that you yeah. guys have done. Oh, yeah. I, My dad, who is a retired first-grade homicide detective from the Bronx, New York, wow. happened to go to the Army with this guy who is now the battalion chief in LA County. So I reached out to him and he introduced me to two female captains. Wow. They took me on ride alongs and I even went and took the the CPAT, which is the candidate physical ability test. Because I wanted to see what these firefighters <laughs> have to go through physically. Right. I mean, I showed it. up and they were like, uh, you need to lift weights. <laughs> wow. They do. They did. You yeah, these are some strong women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? And so that was just a, a, a an amazing, like, hands-on experience that I'll, I'll never forget. Well, yeah, I mean, we should also add that you passed. Oh, I did. I passed. I passed. Of course, Because she's just that yeah. badass. <laughs> I mean, look, I have the same situation. I mean, I have a couple of friends who are firefighters. And, you know, one, a good friend of mine back in the day, shortly after 9-11, actually realized that he didn't want to be the computer jock that he was. And he, as a kid, he wanted to be a firefighter. So he went back and went back into the game. And so it was, it was nothing like uh, handing a beer to a firefighter and saying, you know, starting to ask him questions because mm -hmm. you, your eyes get opened up wide. It's, uh, it's amazing. What were some of the questions you had for him? Well, you, I mean, you, you go to like, you know, immediately you want to know, like, what was the craziest moment you've ever been in? I mean, he told me this one funny moment where he had to go into, and this is actually really relevant to recently when we had the, you know, the fires, uh, some that are still raging actually out there um, in the forest here in Los Angeles. And uh, he he wasn't supposed to be out there in the forest, but there was, the fires were so bad that year that he had to go out there as it was. And, uh, and they tell you that you can't wear any metal, uh, any, no metal on your body because, by the way, metal gets hot. It conducts heat, <laughs> right? And he heard that, but he didn't think about it until he was out there in the middle of the forest and realized he still had a nipple ring in. <gasps> oh, uh, no. So suddenly... Oh. suddenly and, and it's like, but this, is, but this is a perfect example of what happens in this world because... 
he's the new guy. He's a, he's the new guy in this situation. And they told him, and suddenly he's like screaming and banging on his chest and running back the other way, and they're all howling with laughter. And he couldn't live that down for like another six months. And to me, that's like that is quintessentially the humor in the middle of mm-hmm. the crazy action and life and you know life threatening danger these guys deal with. You know, so the men and women that do this, the more that you ask the firefighters the questions and they talk about it like it's just another day. Uh, you, the more you begin to truly wish you could, you, how much we know we need to honor these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, these men and women are amazing. And the other part is also how much they hurt when they didn't make the save. Right. Yeah. How much it crushes them. And that's, that's incredible to see. Stacey, why do I feel like we're going to see the nipple ring in an upcoming episode? <laughs> I can't believe you didn't tell me that story. Oh, you know what? Ben, don't leave me. It would be in the pilot right now. <laughs> Fortunately, episode Ben doesn't two. wear a nipple ring, so, so somebody else is a victim of my story. That's good yeah. to know. How do you come up with the storylines? I mean, Grey's has been so famous for its you know amazing cases. Is that something we're going to see here, too? Of course, absolutely. Uh, the cases, cases will be a little different. The approach to them is a little different, and the way that we have to treat them is a little different. But yeah, I mean, we'll find them from any source we can, from articles to anecdotal things to just crazy stuff that comes out of our brains, because you know there's a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> and Stacy has a very creative, imaginative brain, I'm, I might oh, add. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She... <laughs> I know in Grace sometimes we'd have to go and we'd ask we have to ask them, um, was this from the news or did you come up with this and <laughs> right, then find out right, if it's right. really possible? And the number yeah. of times that they said, Well, it was in my crazy brain and then I had to go find out, is that possible? And damn if it isn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to go back to the training question for one second, the fire pole is a big thing in the first episode. Were you guys intimidated by that at all or how quickly did you jump down that thing? We oh. were like kids at uh the- California Adventure. What yeah, is it? Every, he... yeah, yeah, everybody ran after him. It was, oh, like, they it was were like, so excited. It was, it was the ride, and we yeah. had to have a safety meeting before. <laughs> right. Before it, it was a pole sliding class. Yes. Oh, once we did it the first time, we went up and down like twenty five times. Yeah, really fun. They had to stop us from taking more more takes. Like, we, we got enough of the camera. <laughs> we got to move We're on. Going down the pole. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> And then from what I've seen so far, the fires get pretty intense. How much special effects are involved in putting the show together? It's a combo platter. We have both practical fires and special effects. We have an entire burn stage where we can build things and just burn them down, (laughs) which is amazing and terrifying and amazing. (laughs) Uh, Always with an eye towards safety first. That's first and foremost in any of these situations. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of the... A lot of the pilot is actually pretty practical. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's super cool. I mean, what they can do now with that, with you know visual effects extends what they can do because it goes into stuff that is just not safe. Uh, but fortunately, we as actors can still do certain things because they'll do it with visual effects as opposed to actually putting us into danger. Right, and I always want to be my stunt double yeah. for some reason. Yeah. I'm, but awesome. I can't. Yeah. I'm not I'm able, able to. You would charge right in if right. I let you. Yeah. I, I, I told you, dangle me off of anything. I know. Uh-huh. And I keep saying, no, we want to keep you whole. We love you. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we've got to end it there, but I wish you guys the best of luck. And thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank so you. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to meet you. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We've got an FX special, Matthew Reese and Kerry Russell on the final season of The Americans, and the team behind Trust, Donald Sutherland, Hilary Swank, and Danny Boyle. See you next time. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.